Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Uh, check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons, I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes, and on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Okay, this week on more to come, uh, Convergence. Um, Heidi goes to New Jersey Comics Expo, I go to the Miami Book Fair, and we relay it all for you. Um, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange um, and the color of movies. Um, Fresh Romance is refreshed. And Double Take Comics, um, we knew you only too short a time. Okay, um, The Con Experience. Yeah, well... Who, shall you kick it off? Well, I guess I will, because I, 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 as we pointed out, I went to New Jersey and Calvin went to Miami, so it's not quite the same effect. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there was not an amazing fair. interview. <laughs> I did, and you know, there was magical yes. snowfall while I was there. there I stood outside with Tony Harris watching the snowfall and talking about snow and cats. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, like a weird animated feature. It, it was. You know, we, uh, we it just says in the preview, I mean, New Jersey Comics Expo is a modestly sized show but with a pretty powerful guest list uh a nice facility and you know everything happened just the mm. way i expected it to <laughs> so, so you had some great interviews i did i did know, for- i i will say it was an awesome con for podcasting yeah. because <laughs> there were long stretches when people were uh free to talk <laughs> which is not always the case and you know at some shows when people have a lot of time to talk they're anxious about the fact that they're not doing things but at this show i think because it was at the end of the year Everyone was just super chill. Yeah. And I was like, you know, let's just sit back and rap. So, uh, yeah. So, right. so yeah, that was it. I mean, I had a great talk with Neil Adams, yes. um, Ron mm-hmm. Mars, and Amy Chu, as you heard. And, uh, of course, I talked to a lot of other people at the show uh, as well. And, um, you, you know, it was uh, just just a, a good time, really. Um, you know, trends. I will say it's like at the end of the, sh- the, the year – uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Artist Alley and all the co- the controversy there. And, you know, there's been a hype ban in most shows. So so they've really cut down on the height, the tall shows. So now everybody's got a double wide, I noticed. You know, mm. so the, so still the building, you know, we've gone to more of a Quonset hut kind of a setup. Uh, so Interesting. There was, <laughs> yeah, there was that. You know, they're very careful. Uh, the show's put on by Mad Events, which also does Long Beach Comics Expo. But they're very careful about not letting the illegal printmakers in. So it's oh, very, this is, yeah, this yeah. Is issue has really built to a point Absolutely. Now where, and, you know, the mm-hmm. artist Buzz uh, has mm-hmm. really spearheaded that. And, uh, you know, he promised he will come on the podcast, as a matter of fact, to talk about this. Uh-huh. So uh, oh, at a future date, I'm hoping mm-hmm. to... To uh, to find Buzz and uh, you know yeah. he can really because he's really spearheaded this with his Facebook posts and everything mm-hmm. cool. talking about Wizard Worlds and so on. But you know this is also good because I mean for all that you have an issue with the height thing, which I really care about, um, at least this way you can tell that the printmaker has prints of their own work. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. there's nothing wrong with being a up and coming artist with prints. They just make sure they're your prints. Yes. yes. And as we're go- we'll get to in a little while, I think it's also it's so competitive among convention. Uh, you know, people who throw conventions now that the fact that they are very closely guarding and watching over who who actually sets up at the show means that their events are, you know, higher quality. And I do think people mm-hmm. 
people respond to that. Um, you know, there was cosplay. There were panels. There were great panels. You know, I was on, I was on a rather amusing panel with um, with uh, Matt Hawkins, uh, <coughs> Mark Bagley, and Colleen Doran. Uh, now, I have to take a drink. I'm getting over the bronchitis. Concred. Uh, well, yes, I did. I got... So on this panel with Matt Hawkins, Mark Bagley, and Colleen Doran, uh, Colleen was saying how she's created some um, uh, profiles as an unknown artist and sent her work around and got offered work. So just to reaffirm, oh, uh, reaffirm herself. So so you know, it's like you know, break in the Colleen Doran way and keep breaking in. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of refreshing. But um, but um, yeah, she's not know. taking work from. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> just joking. You know she's very talented. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she, she is. is. She's incredibly talented. Um, and uh, anyway, so you know, I mean, there's really nothing groundbreaking to talk about at the show. Uh, just had a good time. I do recommend it if you're, you know, if you're local. I would yeah. say mm-hmm. if you're in the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you know, around there, uh, you know, check out the show. It's really well run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll have a good time. Um, well, I, you know, I, uh, I, I was at the Miami Book Fair. <laughs> As you can tell, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, the Miami Book Fair obviously is not a con. It is really a giant literary festival. Uh, it really is one of the more extraordinary. I think it's one of the biggest literary festivals in the countries. I mean, there are actually, it really goes for about two weeks, although there is a week in street fair. It's kind of a tiny street fair uh, that wags a mammoth um, uh, programming schedule. There are hundreds of authors. Uh, it, it's hard to describe it. Um, there are there. It starts. It goes on for two weeks. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And and but one of the features about it, comics has become an increasingly um, a much coveted and much attended and well invited uh, track. They there are a lot of comics down there. In fact. Um, uh, I went down there with my with my lovely wife, uh, Jody, a uh, friend of the show, um, our theme song <laughs> composer, and who takes photographs as well for PW. And we had breakfast with uh, Art Spiegelman, his daughter Naja, James Stern, um, Bill Cardlopoulos, um, uh, what's her name? Julie Grafour, whose name I can't say. Julie, I'm sorry. I love your comics. I just can't say your name. Um, uh, that was just at breakfast. Um, there was even more panel and programming that went on. Um, George O'Connor, uh, of the, uh, Greek Olympic, um, comic series was sort of like, I don't know, an on, on, on site anchor. He, 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 he was there for over a week. He just did one panel after another. Um, I, I can go on. Uh, Maggie Thrash, uh, Jessica Abel, um, uh, was on, they were on a panel about teenage graphic novels. Um, Leela Corman, I spent a lovely, uh, time on the Saturday night at an amazing party at the Standard in Miami Beach. On a, it was it looks like a, from the scene from The Great Gatsby, uh, an amazing wharf right on the water, a huge lawn, uh, hundreds of authors at a cocktail party, <laughs> open bar. Um, I got to chat with Leela Corman about Rosalie Lightning, her husband Tom Hart's uh, PW Best Book of the Year memoir, um, and and it just goes on and on. Um, Art Art Spiegelman and Charlie Cartwright there were talking about uh, the parade, the Siloam and um, um, accordion book that they've done. Uh, Shannon Wheeler, um, a great panel with Tom Hart. Uh, Emil Ferris, whose book, um, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, I 
bored you on and on about. The book's not boring, but I get to be boring when I talk about it. Meg Fitzgerald was there talking about her book, uh, Long Red Hair. Dean Haspel, Richard McGuire, Ben Catcher. You get the idea. Keith Knight did his um, They Shoot Black People, Don't They, uh, uh, slideshow, which I had never seen. Uh, so that, that, that went on and on. Really great uh, programming. Now, I was also down there to do two panels to moderate. Uh, I had the great pleasure of um, interviewing Jean Luen Yang. We did a, a public interview. 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, not the best time. But Gene, of course, is fabulous. And he talked about his new book, Secret Coders, a really a really delightful kid's book uh, that really teaches you how to code. It's a really charming um, uh, a series that will step you up through the basics, uh, the concepts concepts of, of coding. Uh, then we talked about New Superman. Uh, and he was very interesting. If you haven't uh, seen it, you know, not only has Gene worked on the classic Superman, uh, but he's also doing a new uh, something called New Superman, which is really about a Chinese Superman. But it was interesting, the template for what he's doing, the model in his mind. Well, one of the things that Gene had to talk about was the model that he used for creating um, the New Superman series, that's Chinese Superman. And he, he actually based it on, I mean, he's a Catholic, practicing Catholic, and he based it on how the Catholic Church has played out in mainland China. There is the traditional Catholic Church, which of course underwent a lot of suppression by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. But uh, one of the things that they have done, they traditionally do in China, is that they, the Chinese government, they create sort of official Chinese government versions of things they don't like. So so there is a, uh, and, and in fact it's interesting, I have been reading in the news lately about the the ongoing efforts of the Pope to sort of bring the two um, Chinese Catholic churches together, the government Catholic church and the traditional Catholic church. And so he actually, because what he's done, not only is there a new Superman, there's an actually a Chinese Justice League that he's created too. There is a Chinese Batman and a Chinese Wonder Woman. Well, some of them were already kind of around. Well, some of them, these characters, right. And he's also, but he's, he's kind of created that and... Uh, those were all around, but he's also there's a whole other area, a, a league of heroes that that fit into Our this thing as well. Yes, so he discussed that a little bit. Um, uh, but look, Gene is just a, a terrific ambassador for comics. Besides being a, a extremely talented comics artist, um, and he talked a little bit about his role as a uh, national ambassador for young people's reading, which is a position at the Library of Congress. So he talked about that, some of his stuff. Uh, some of the programs being awarded the Genius Grant this year. Um, we had a delightful conversation on Sunday morning, and I also had the, the the great pleasure of moderating a panel and reading between National Book Award Young People's Literature finalists. Uh, the MBA for Young People's Literature was won this year by March uh, Book Three. Uh, so Andrew Iden was there representing the winning team. Uh, but we also had Nicola Toon, who has a wonderful book called The Sun is Also a Star. Uh, Karen Stelson uh, has an incredible book, Sashiko, um, about a, a survivor of the Nagasaki bombing. We actually talked about Barefoot Gin and some of the other stuff around that. And a wonderful woman, Anna Marie McLemore, whose novel When the Moon Was Ours is kind of about uh, queer identity. So uh, a good time was had. Uh, comics are thriving Beyond our little world of the comic book world, they, they indeed are a part of the larger literary book world. And uh, I also had a chance to talk with Mitch Kaplan, one of the co-founders of the Miami Book Fair. And he was he, he just went he just gushed about the comics 
content in the show, and he promised to be there to be more going forward in the future. No, so, uh, it sounds like I know they've had a pretty large contingent every year, but um, was it larger this year? Do you think, or is the same size? You know, I would say it's a little larger. I didn't count. This is an anecdotal response, um, but I, t- I there was a there was a <clears throat> comics sort of low-key little party. Uh, Connor uh, McQuarrie, who does Kill, Kill Shakespeare, kind of organized a little party at a great beer pub in Miami, um, like on Friday night. So there was a whole bunch of people just when I got, when I flew in, we went straight there and we just walked. So there's enough people there, enough comics people there to, to support their own brew pub party. So I, 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 I can't give you a count. Uh, I would say that it seemed more than last year, which was my first time going. And I would wager that it's going to be even more yeah, I think it's, going uh, forward. It <clears throat> sounds like it was about to say – I was there two years ago, so it sounds like it was about, about on, a, mm-hmm. on a par of that. Um, I apologize, listeners. Um, I, the con crud, of course, the more I talk, the more excited I get to talk about the world of comics and graphic novels, the more I lose my voice. Um, so, um, so, yes, so Calvin yeah. and I had some <clears throat> great times at our cons. Um, That's how you do a con, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, elsewhere – uh, you know, we've talked always about consolidation. Uh, you know, we've been following Wizard World. Um, you know, they put out their they put out their SEC filings for the year, and it looked uh, you know kind of crappy actually. Uh, so they didn't have enough operating income on hand. You know, that's uh, SEC filings. Uh, that's a little dramatic. There's something you know, but legally they have to say all these kind sure. of things. That doesn't mean that they're out of money. Uh, they actually did make a profit in 2016. However, I have heard. In the wake of the Stephen Shameless lawsuit, or Stephen Shameless, as some call him, uh, that they've shut down their New York office, and uh, they're definitely having some cash flow problems. Mm. Uh, That's pretty clear. So they're kind of uh, downsizing a little. They're consolidating, you know? Uh, Now, I just had a story today on a show that took place a couple of weeks ago called Rewind Con, and... um, Calvin, I know you read the story. You know, this it, it actually had nothing to do with comics. And I think this is... But it does have to do with conventions. It does. And I, you know, these shows that are spinning out of Comic-Con, you know, it's like this mm-hmm. Comic-Con culture, as we talk about all the time, has become just world famous. You know, yeah. like people want to be a part of it. And even though it had nothing to do with comics, nothing even to do with nerd liberties, it was... A show that was based around a 90210 reunion it had Luke Perry, hmm. uh, what's his name, Jason Priestley, uh, Tori Spelling, uh, and so on and so forth. Very exciting stuff. Patrick Muldoon, um, <clears throat> and boy bands, In Sync, Bags Dream Boy, as you called after thirty or forty years, man, yes, man bands. Man band. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, the funny thing is, is that In Sync and Bags Dream Boys are a totally different generation. Well, yeah, but they're both from the 90s. So, you know, you mm-hmm. might draw people who are like, uh, you know, mm. like after a few years, those those petty divisions between junior high and high school just become middle-aged, you know. So, uh, uh, But not among attendees, I would think. Well, we don't know exactly what happened, but they realized early on that they weren't going to sell enough tickets. And, you know, people like Luke Perry and Jason Priestley have pretty hefty guarantees. And uh, the report said they drew about 500 people. So that's bad. But then just like, uh, you know, like they had a printer, like for all the photos that people paid hundreds of dollars to, to take, that they have one printer for all the photos and it kept breaking oh, down. No. 
So, I mean, just why would you do that? I know. Anything from that story other than appropriating uh, the notion of cons and bringing together fans. Uh, But there are occasions where the whole thing goes horribly, horribly wrong. And there's really nothing about Rewind Con that seemed to be done properly. I mean, nothing. Yes. Well, what you can learn from it is that you have to accurately judge the size of your audience like it might not have been such a disaster if they had hired a slightly smaller and smaller number of celebrities yeah they to have be there. 64 celebrities right that's right if they had had like San Diego. if they had had like 10 mm-hmm. then 500 people might not have been so bad right but they didn't they didn't accurately judge the size of their audience and it sank them and that is that is applicable to comic cons yeah. because I have seen comic cons go up in smoke that clearly did not survey their market at all. You know, all. I've seen it go both. Let me tell you but something. Both, I, either way. Either way. Yeah, did, I've they, seen it. did they too many people, not enough space, or or not enough people, totally empty, well, it's not fun- cool? It, it's funny because while I was writing my piece, I was researching, you know, what kind of autograph shows they are. And almost always, there's, hmm. like, they're based in something that's a little nerdier. You know, like, uh, the Chiller Chiller Theater is a show that's put on a couple times a year here in New Jersey. Uh, they have a lot of horror people. Um, I used to go to it all the time. I hear listen to stories about how David Carradine is a jerk. Now he's dead. Um, but but know, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. <laughs> you know, they had a huge, they had way more than 64 celebrities. But this was a very well-established, yeah. a little over Halloween. They have dealers who sell cool yeah. crap. Um, so And you dress up, you know. It doesn't sound like... Like uh, Rewind Con had the participatory element other yeah. than here is $200 to go sit in a room with Tori Spelling. Yeah. But still, they managed to get enough people to actually pay this. I mean, not enough people, but I'm amazed that they got anyone to pay it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was I so mean, poorly. Yeah, but I, I think we're jaded. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I, that I, may be the case. I yeah. think you could get, well, I mean, obviously you could. You got 500 of them. People interested, yeah. but but five hundred is about as good as you're going to get mm-hmm. with with that theme. If your yeah. theme is nineties <laughs> teeny bopper celebrities, like you're you're not going to get sixty four celebrities worth of audience. But you know, isn't that interesting? Because at the time, I mean, there was no bigger stars in the world than yeah. nine or two. I mean, you know, this but, is one. But you have to you have to look at at what people are emotionally invested in as adults. That's a very good point, Kate. Because and- some obsessions last and some <laughs> obsessions don't. Well, and NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and 90210 tend to be the kind of obsession that doesn't last. Well, that's a, that is an absolutely cogent point. And that is why I say these weren't nerd liberties. They were celebrities. Hmm. Because I, as I was looking, there's another show that is uh, called The Hollywood Show that's held in Hollywood and Las Vegas. They put on about four shows. And I got to be honest, it's like if you look at it, it looks kind of dismal. It's literally just like hmm. old celebrities, old people who used to be on TV as supporting roles or just a guest appearance, sitting at tables, chatting up people, selling autographs. And yet this show goes on and, you know, they have a big show coming out that I, it's looking, I didn't even mention it. It's called the Star Trek 50th Reunion. And, you know, you know, uh, Reed Pop did a big show, which I heard actually wasn't that great. This one, you know, they had Shatner and, and hmm. um, Patrick Stewart and so on and so forth. But this show is like, you know, the woman who played T'Pau and the guy who was in the Mugatu suit and, you know, well. like the Klingon from the... But, it's like these, that's affordable. You can yes. afford those stars. And, you, and then you can... Then the people can afford the tickets and then people go. Right. And also, don't you think... I, I, 
like backing up. I mean, I could tell you that people who are obsessed with like old classic TV shows of that ilk, like they're like, oh yeah, I remember that one oh, person. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, remember well, that. True. I remember that I mean, green girl. Yeah. Uh, you remember Tapau? Who who has watched the show? Who does right. not remember? Of T'Pau? course, right. So <laughs> so you'd be more interested in meeting Tapau now than in Sync. Well, I never liked NSYNC, so that's not fair. Uh, but if I did like NSYNC, I think I still would be more interested in T'Pau. Um, just because I feel like boy bands and 90210 are just not the kind of thing that people continue to love with that kind of passion over the years. I mean, like like authors, I would say, people will still come out. For example, Anne Rice. Anne mm-hmm. Rice is, good, as good we, record, we are recording right sure, now, sure. is having a book tour. And... Her new book has Lestat in Atlantis. I'm not. I'm not kidding. And you know, she her book tour is mobbed. Everyone wants to see Lestat in Atlantis, mm-hmm. even even if they know it's not quite what it once was. They still love Lestat. They still love Anne Rice. They want to see it. They want to hear what crazy new thing she's come up with. They come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I don't think. I, I just don't think people feel the same way about NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Well, I certainly don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, mean, I, think, I think people will so. come out for a concert from them because they want to hear the music. Of course. But yeah. they don't They don't like need to bask in their presence. Exactly. No, that's totally true. And, and I just think it's really interesting, though. Yeah. I think it's really it's, interesting. Uh, you know, like Walker Star. I mean, we talked on this, the show before about that big expose that came out in Hollywood Reporter about – how much these nerd, nerd, oh, yes. nerd uh, yeah, celebrities are making mm-hmm. at these shows. Well, good for them. Bags yeah. full of money. And, uh, you know, how Stephen Amell from Arrow is is the mastermind behind yeah. these shows. Good for him. Yeah, you know, he's behind yeah. Walker Stalker and this mm-hmm. Heroes and Villains show. And we talk all the time about comic book properties that we have been obsessed with since we're 10 years old absolutely and 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 continue to be yeah so and i mean they're just you know even with the walking dead uh Hmm. it just seems to me livelier there is you know i I just leave this just for anyone who didn't read my article though when i was looking you know at some point this does become like a sitcom i looked on the hollywood live website which again is a series of autograph shows endorsements the tributes oh yes, my to, God. yes to the show These yeah were, i thought at first <laughs> that they were satirical but i think they weren't they had one as like uh, uh, the first show i went to i didn't like but this one is fine <laughs> yeah like from Richard Roundtree. Yeah, it's like, and yeah, it beats like, a poke in the eye. I don't know what else to say. These are the greatest. Uh, these are well, the greatest. I, I have, damning well, with faint praise. I have the opposite of ringing. Yeah. I have, I have a friend who loved person of interest who went to some animal charity event in order to meet the dog on person of interest and got bit by the dog on person of interest. Okay, I know, I think. And, that but mo- then they didn't charge. Then they didn't charge her for the picture with the dog. Well, that would hopefully so. Well, I think on that note, yeah, uh, we can tra- but, but, we can but, segue anyway, to our next segment. Listen, just if anyone out there is planning to put on some kind of con, uh, don't be a con man or yes, woman. Thank you, you know, I remember judge the size of your audience. This yeah. is not easy money. No, all right, yeah. it's not easy money. Okay. Uh, well, uh, speaking of characters we've been obsessed with since we were <laughs> we were ten years old, uh, the Doctor Strange movie came to town oh yeah and um you know what we'll we'll do our little round table on it i mean i saw it we've all seen it um as i have said in the past you know marvel does a great job of bringing these these two-dimensional characters and actually i think making them live figures in a live film what we may think of the entire film may be another question um, I thought it was flawed but enjoyable. Yeah, and I same thought here. it was I mean like, same like here. I have watched a number of Marvel movies. There are many I liked a lot less than this. I enjoyed it. I just there were certain things that I was like, 
oh, you could have done that better. Uh, and we will go into that in depth. Yeah, well, you know, I saw it and uh, I, I, I was, I've seen it twice, actually. A friend invited me out to see it yesterday and I was like, what the heck? Uh, so I went and saw it again. Uh, I did not enjoy it as much as seeing it twice would indicate. I certainly did enjoy it the second time yeah. and the first time. But to me, it really is like, you know, it's like, uh, it's not like a Big Mac. It's better than a Big Mac. <laughs> it's like a turkey burger, you know, at a diner. Here it's you like, go. you know what you're going to get and it tastes good. But You're they some- all meld into one. It's somehow big, unsatisfying. Somehow unsatisfying. <laughs> and the fact that it's a turkey burger, I think, yeah, makes it less satisfying than a regular burger. Right. Well, I don't eat red meat. So, yeah, you okay, know. But, uh, you know, so a and, burger. And, and we're not even saying that Cumberbatch is the turkey. Mm-mm. Because no, he's. I, I think he's quite good. And actually, I thought the art direction, I mean, the, this recreating the world of Doctor Strange. It was visually spectacular. The, the, the cape. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's really well, quite well. The cape stole the show. Everyone Absolutely. Okay. There were Absolutely. two. Okay. So two things about this movie that were a cut above the standard issue Marvel movie, which is super standard issues. We'll get to in a moment. Uh, one was absolutely the art direction was better the visual effects were far better okay yes. they definitely tried to make this look very different from other marvel movies and which not are... just the visual effects but the visual palette the sets absolutely the costumes yeah. everything and was better the score was by uh michael giacchino so finally i mean they've A had decent score they've had other good composers compose their mm. scores don't get me wrong uh, but and it wasn't his. It wasn't like the Incredibles or you know one of his great scores. But it was a better than average score mm. that you actually enjoyed and noted. Well, whereas in most Marvel movies, the scores are just absolutely awful. You know, no one. And I know why. Yeah, why? I, I admit I didn't really take I, note I, of this. I actually score, know but, why. Uh, why yeah. I, I have. Let's hear. Heard. Okay, so apparently, what they do is they edit the movie to a backing track, right? And. Um, they always do that with Marvel movies, and frequently Marvel tells the composer, "Oh, we want something like this." Right. So it's already got so. music to it, usually from another previously made movie, and they're like, "Oh, we want something like this." So that's why they all sound the same because they are literally telling them to make same. <laughs> yeah, studio music as they call it. Yeah, uh, which is disappointing and yeah. pointless. Well, you know, when you go to Various conventions and so on. Uh, you know, every once in a while they'll they'll play da 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 da. You know, the X Men mm. cartoon theme. Oh yeah, and you're always like weep weep weep. You know, it's great. It's a <laughs> it's great, great. Thing. And, and, and you know what? And, it's, and, and, it's value added. And, and, and there, I defy anyone to hum the theme to a Marvel movie. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'll you'll win that bet. I mean, if uh, if, <clears throat> if freaking speaking of person of interest again, if person of interest can afford Ramin Jawadi, if. Pacific Rim can afford Ramin Jawadi. Yes. Marvel can afford Ramin Jawadi. Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, and they could let him do his thing in peace right. and not make him copy well, somebody the, else. the thing is that they uh, are hugely successful, so they're not going to change anything. Uh, now, I have... There is okay, that. So now, <laughs> but, they me, could, but they could look at Guardians of the Galaxy and see that the fact that people loved what they heard uh, enhanced the experience. Well, you know something? I think maybe someone at Marvel did notice that the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack sold a billion copies, and the other one sold like zero, uh, like ten copies. So maybe that's why they're Guardians of the Galaxy is one pop hit after another. Yes, it's also, (laughs) but even so, you know, well beloved pop hit after another. But even so, even so, even their interstitial music in between those were good. Now, because it was an audio focused. Mm. 
movie. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy is by yeah. far the best Marvel movie. By, you yeah, know, it's, to me, it's no question. Good. I would, I would other not say sections, that, but I did like it. Other sections much. of Doctor Strange. Oh, let me ask you guys. Worth speaking speaking audio-wise, I will say, you guys didn't notice it, but I'm, other people have said this too. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a brilliant mimic. And... People were concerned that his American accent wouldn't be good. It's a good American accent. Unfortunately, it's a very specific, very famous American accent. He was copying uh, Harrison Ford down to the letter. Um, yeah, I did so not notice that. I'm gonna. Was, I, I, was, I may even go back to see it yeah, again. I just know, to- right? <laughs> now, 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 listeners, you may have noticed that I am the producer and yes, the audio editor of this, and so it should be no surprise to you that I'm a very audio person. I yeah. listen to radio all the time. And frequently I'll watch movies with my eyes closed because I can't be bothered. Kate's auditory world. <laughs> yeah. So so this kind of thing sticks in my head a lot. And so it was a little distracting. Um, so that's why I picked up on it. But afterward I checked and other people noticed it yeah. too. So it's like, right. it's not just me. No, I, I, right. I'm sure that you're, you're accurate. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. Okay. I'll just say my biggest problem with the movie was that I did not think that the character of Strange was developed in a real linear and organic fashion and i felt that it jumped around you know at one point he was this arrogant doctor and the next he was like perfect student and then the next he was like why are you telling me this baron mordo that can't be you're joking so i, I felt it was very inconsistent i i i mean i could see it was all the same guy but <clears throat> transitions that would have been i don't know interesting mm-hmm. they didn't really show us so you're like here he is at one phase of his life uh montage Another phase of his life. Yes. And that transition could have been interesting. It could have been a better montage. It w- well, it been- seems like it took them an awful long time to get through all of it. I, I don't recall that. Um, I mean, it was a but- little disjunctive. I mean, you tend to expect it to a certain extent. They, you know, There's a it- certain amount of exposition they yeah, need to they go s- through. But even so, they spent they- more time in the hospital than they needed to. Oh, I agree. I, I agree. I-, I mean, it just took a while to me to get to... You know, the dramatic cape unfurling, which is basically why I was there. Uh, I, I didn't need the dramatic cape unfurling, but I did need magic. Yeah, it well, all of that. I mean, to yeah, to me, that's all wrapped well, up to, and together. And to, it seemed it took them a while to get to, to that me, point. It took a, a long, winding road that wasn't uh, 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 an entertaining winding road to get from the very premise of the film, which is that Dr. Stephen Strange was an arrogant asshole, uh, ass, uh, butthole, uh, whatever the word is, Kate, <laughs> that we're allowed to use. Uh, and uh, but he was chastened and humbled when he lost his ability to operate, and then he went and found a larger mystical world. And um, you know, I didn't. You know, this, he didn't even seem that arrogant. I mean, you know. I mean, well, to be fair, <laughs> I mean, he had a big, fast car. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. also those dangerous winding roads. Yeah, I know. Which, which doctors always oh, drive around, yeah, you, know, you know, in no, their tuxedos. Off. You know, okay. To be fair, um. In the many and varied things I have done in my life, I actually uh, spent a test about, driver <laughs> about nine nine months um, interning at a hospital in uh, not anything doctor wise, and um, I spent a lot of time around doctors, oh. and so I will say that the level of arrogance was spot on. I, I it was not. It was a realistic level. Of I arrogance. totally agree with that. It actually. was not. More arrogant or less arrogant than you would expect. I was like, yes, that is exactly about the precise, correct level of arrogant. I can there believe it. Um, yeah. 
But I, I do think, and I, I don't even know the plot was trying to say that he really lost his arrogance at all. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think he did. Um, I think he just started to pay attention to people who weren't. But you know, strange. Well, then, but that, they didn't do enough, good enough job. But of you know, that transition. in that case, like, what was the real growth of this character? Well, the growth was that at the beginning he was very self-centered. Like he really, honestly, didn't. He wasn't even thinking of anyone who wasn't. Stephen Strange. Okay, fair and enough. And by the end of the movie, like, he really, he genuinely did not enjoy the conflict aspect of their magical world. Like, right. he, he liked, like, oh, I'm doing cool things with magic, mm. that's awesome. But he was like, I don't want to fight people, I'm a doctor, this isn't my thing. And they were like, but you have to, because, like, lives are on the line. And so... He, Although I he, really didn't quite get, I mean, the, uh, um, the, you know, one guy just sort of dropped into the cl- the magic clinic for a little while so he could cure his legs and he didn't he seemed to be doing just fine although but, i guess we're going to find out more from him later no okay so the idea was that so, that he didn't the idea was if you want to stay here and learn more and become yeah. more and more powerful you you've got to be you have a part of the militia yeah yeah we're conscripting <laughs> yeah, you right, sorry we didn't tell you before we taught you but right. you got to fight people haha <laughs> sorry um but and, 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 and rewind so yeah so i think he by the end was paying attention to the uh, needs and danger of other people in like a less abstract way. Yeah. yeah uh, and so. so there was, there was some character growth um, and it didn't need to be the cliched, like arrogant dude learns to be not arrogant at all. Yeah. 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 Human yeah, being. I, you, you sold me on that. You sold me on that but, as a more interesting. I agree. So I would say that the, characters were good but they could have done better in a better written plot yeah and you know like one thing like this bugged me so much when i saw the movie it's like you know like he can't do the magic and then uh the ancient one dumps him in mount everest and leaves him to find his way home and you don't even see him do it that like you, you know in every movie there was the hero shot we have a close-up of the face of the actor and there are actress and suddenly they're like Yes, I, I I have to do this. I or you can at least see what that experience was you like. See for what them. that experience is like. So it cuts on so him. So they make it being into a joke. Frustrated, and then yeah. they cut back, and you never see him doing it. To me, this was a part of. You know what I'm saying? It's like you never. That was a vital moment. It, it was, was a vital, vital moment, moment that turned into a throwaway joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although. I mean, the incantation seemed to be to him spinning his hand around. Well, this is a circle. I know, but you see what I'm saying? <laughs> it was it was the chance but, to see well, him. No, it was like the. The most basic act of magic yeah. you could do was to use this device. This, right. the and the, he had not done any magic up until this point. Yeah. Yeah, but I, so that is his first work of magic, and we don't see it. Yeah. You know, I, listen, I'm just going to compare this to, uh, you know, any of the gold standard movies of training. I was watching The Karate Kid in the bus <laughs> coming home. And, you know, like, I mean, not to say that this movie is magical, but you know what? That movie is so good. And they never do slow motion. Uh, That's one of the things about it. So, like, in the uh, moment and vital. Uh, also, Luke and Yoda, okay? It's like you see Luke's hmm. Achieve, then you see him fail. You see yeah, him well, in this progression that makes him a stronger character. Anyway, all right. They yeah. lost I will admit, I saw this movie three weeks ago, okay, so it's okay. all kind of fading. Right. I have though. another point. Yes. So I kind of got where the, what they were trying to go with the Tilda Swinton thing. They were trying to go, they were connecting it to the fact that they had these like mother houses all over 
the world and that really it's not really in Shangri-La. The door is just in Shangri-La and this is an international organization and that's why she's not Asian. And I could buy that except for every single piece of every, set dressing yeah, was every, Asian. Also, by the way, was annoying. you know what? And so okay. if there was nothing be, about her performance that had, that had to be you know, her so to if, do. If, if you were going to go international, you should have made it more honestly international. And you know what, Kevin Feige? That should have been Maggie Yo. I yeah, mean, yeah, of course it should. You could have kept she it international and still had it. She would have done the martial arts like convincing, like 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 Tilda Swinton. There's no reason why she wouldn't had to have that. Was like the least, the least convincing martial artist of all times. She was a magician. Not yeah. a real martial artist. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but, so. but she was in, unconvincing. Yeah. She was like, and, I, I mean, and I also, I wasn't that convinced about this, the business of that she betrayed the uh, order. I, I hated Because, the, yeah, what, was, you know, I don't know, because she was, I don't know. Well, they were, they were disagreeing on whether she was playing footsie with the dark not. side a little bit to keep the but whole, I, you know, franchise going. They, so they, what? <laughs> well, okay. I think they blurred over that too quickly, what should have been an important thing it was just like why oh, is this so bad y- y- they didn't explore it they didn't, they yeah, they didn't. and furthermore they they pulled a loki with more drew and not in a good way and that they did the thing where they're like okay so this guy's gonna be a villain but we want it to be emotionally exciting by giving him a bond to the hero okay so yeah. far but they never really realistically yeah because he just seemed to switch right they never really realistically like showed <coughs> how this guy got from point A to point B from like, hey, so we got secondary character who's your buddy and you like him and now he's evil the end. Yeah, yeah like, boom. Uh, like yeah. They, they set up where I thought they were going in the end by having maybe him disagree with this philosophy of magic and maybe do things a different way and just be a good an antagonist but a good person. But no, that that end credit scene, he just like, it was just like, and now I'm a crazy villain. <laughs> and I was like... You missed a step. You missed ten yeah, steps. It here. was a very badly uh, and then, developed. And then with the actual villain, they completely uh, wasted Mads Mikkelsen yeah, well, on definitely. a villain who is just sort of like, I am here. Well, I'm evil. Hi. Bye. Uh, my eyeliner is really bad. Yes, it really Really drying. Extreme. My eye really cream. Extreme. I need an eye cream. I have no. the world's worst uh, goth Now, look. you know what? The, all uh, You know, Marvel movie with a lame villain number 500 in a row. Well, I no, mean, but it's he's the lamest. Yeah. I have yet but, to... You know, no, oh, I, I did like... I will say this. I did like the setting. I did like the final battle. I did yes. like the, you know, the sort of reversal deal that yeah. they went on. I, I thought that was pretty... That was kind of nice. Yeah, it kind of worked. It had many good things about it, but... You know, it, it had some it, moments. It, Frankly, all it needed was a somewhat better script. Yeah, and Marvel I would agree. can afford a better script. And I'm I just don't know if they were micromanaging it too much or they just didn't have that great of a scriptwriter or what. Well to me it was the same movie as Ant Man. Well I mean, okay. To be fair, like even within the constraints of Marvel wanting the same goddamn plot arc every damn time. Uh, they still could have made a better script. Yes, they could have. Yeah. But, you know, we've been talking, uh, you know, about, like, they're, you know, these are cookie-cutter movies. And, but, and they yeah. look so much alike. And there's a reason for that as Yes, well. as we found out, uh, yeah. we've been finding out about this, about uh, just the actual color of the movies. And uh, there was a very interesting link um, that Kate was sending around mm-hmm. uh, yeah. about color grading and digital filming. So... Um, I mean, Marvel apparently has a, a kind of formula that produces this muted, grayed out color scale that doesn't necessarily have to look that way. And it can be more vibrant. And apparently, 
It was on Doctor Strange. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was a little better than Doctor Strange, and and we can probably expect um, because. Uh, the uh, clip that you sent us actually should talked about uh, the next Guardian of the Galaxies, yes. which apparently looks to have a much wider, well, Guardians vibrant of the Galaxy, range I also, of colors. I also watched over the holiday, and you know that movie looks a lot like Strange. It has this kind of digitally enhanced cosmos look, to mm. it, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Well, I mean that kind of fits because um, <clears throat> for all that <clears throat> Strange is magic Marvel, he borders on cosmic Marvel. Well, without doubt. And uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is cosmic Marvel, so. I mean, frankly, I came out of, um, well, I came out of Guardians of the Galaxy, and then later I came out of Doctor Strange. Both times I thought the same thing, which was like, this is awesome. I hope they don't moosh it together with the rest of the Mar- Marvel Universe, because it won't be a good fit. Well, I still love Guardians of the Galaxy. That's no, I, I love them both. And I'm saying, like, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is, like, very cosmic. And I'm like, it would be a waste of this to just, like, have them superheroing on Earth. Why would you want that? Right. Or, like, Doctor Strange, his whole magic world is cool. Hmm. Is cool. The magic world it thing is awesome, yes. and it would be boring to waste that on just hitting and, people and, over the head. And kudos to, I mean, there, there was certainly a, a heightened awareness to kind of design the other dimensional worlds after yes. the great Steve Ditko yeah. Uh, yeah. designs. I mean, that there, I got that feeling that yes, you know, that you were entering into a panel, into a Steve Ditko cartoon. So, so kudos to them for that. Yeah, um, and one thing that was very creative is, as we have noticed, and I think it was a nod to that in a weird way. Uh, a lot of superhero flicks and, and action flicks too, as witnessed the last uh, James Bond movie, um, destroy vast amounts of cities and innocent people for no good reason. And instead, in this one, the heroes come in in the final battle to see the spoiler alert place already destroyed. And so, what they do with magic. Is they're trying to undestroy it, and that actually turned out to be visually <coughs> yeah. very cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was very creative. I liked it very much. Yeah, that's yeah. the reversal I was know, talking about. Yeah, you yeah, know I what? Agree. It was super awesome. Yeah, uh, when Inception did it the first time. Uh, no, Inception. <laughs> well, the Inception no, was no. the ma- or the di- dimensional. Yes, I know. The, the, building the on top of building. The dimensional that, folding thing was what. In, that was all Inception. It, without Inception doubt. did. Inception yeah. did not do the yes, undestroying. Yeah, yes, but the destroying was them. Yeah, the folding universe onto itself. Yeah, that was totally Inception. That was a a video by Michelle Gondry that did that. But anyway, yeah. you know, listen, I'm just, you know, these Marvel movies are so successful and but, so enjoyable and yet they're so No, but some of them are better than others. Yes, some yes, of them yes. are more imaginative than others. Yeah. And it's the ones that are imaginative that even within those tight restraints manage to create something new and different um that make you realize that some of the other movies you're just getting lazy and are not stretching against the formula hard enough right well anyway i'm sure there'll be more to come with the marvel cinematic there will always be more to come with the marvel cinematic well you know we're almost at the end of the year so we're looking back on some things and um you know there's been some companies come and some companies go one of the companies that went earlier in the year was rosie press which was a digital first company uh, founded by Janelle Aslan, uh, and their premiere title was Fresh Romance. Um, came out a couple years ago, and uh, you know this is a really delightful uh, anthology of stories that updated. Yeah, it continues to come out. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, had continued. Yes, to come had out. continued. But the, earlier in the year, uh, Aslan, you know, kind of shut it down. She's having some personal issues and just said, you know, I can't do this anymore, and I got to shut it down. So that was sad news. But then this week there was some glad news, and that. Emet Comics, which is an L.A.-based company that publishes work comics by women, um, 
but is a bit I don't really know that much about them. You know, you'd think that would be They're the, very small press. the greatest. Yeah, but you know, you'd think that'd be the greatest selling line of all times. And anyway, so get some more PR going on here, starting here with PW. Uh, but anyway, they have picked up publishing Fresh Romance. Uh, They're going to be putting out a second anthology of the comics in 2017. They're mm-hmm. actually uh, looking for submissions. So if you go to the uh, Rosie Press website or the Emet Comics website, uh, you'll find more details. Um, but, you know, good news there. Yeah. 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 And uh, actually, I found out because uh, Janelle Asselin actually sent out an email to all the people who had supported her Kickstarter or who had bought from Rosie Pet Press online that, you know, it was going to a new home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, you know, but there have also been more casualties. Yes, there have. Yes. Yeah. We call uh, it the Calvin curse yes, now. Yeah. Well, I'm a little worried. I mean, um, this has happened once before, though I can't remember the, the other time it did. But in any event, um, uh, just before New York Comic Con, I, I produced a, a, you know, fairly in-depth it's a little story in our news department about Double Take Comics. This is the uh, the was the comics division of uh, of uh, Take Two Interactive, the video game developer, uh, headed up by Bill Jimmons with a, the novel notion of creating a comic book universe based on Night of the Living Dead. Um, this effort got a lot of media attention. Uh, Bill Jimmons is obviously a charismatic figure in the business. And, um, you know, in many ways, it was a very interesting um, effort. Now, there were some problems with the art. Um, uh, some of the comics were, were very interesting. Some of them needed some work. But he launched the universe. He launched 10 graphic novels uh, that collected all of the work at New York Comic Con. He had a big contest to give it away. No. We did a big interview mm-hmm. with him yeah. on the floor at New York Comic Con. Well, it looks like... Um, uh, it's breathed its last. Yeah, um, double take is uh, no take. Yeah, uh, take two, pull the plug on the whole effort. I mean, he was clearly spending a lot of money, yeah. uh, probably not getting a whole lot of sales. Uh, I did notice on uh, the the the, um, uh, the interview on um, ICV two, looks some covering, and they were they quoted him as saying that you know it was a lot harder to get his independent comics into the stores than he had anticipated. And apparently a lot harder than Take Two anticipated yeah. as well. Well, go on. No, okay, go on. Okay. Uh, well, I wonder if this is not very similar to the Rewind Con problem. Yeah. <laughs> where they overestimated the size of their audience. Um, I mean, it just reminds me of of years ago. Oh, who was the publisher who did Sigil and uh, their... They had the little yin yang sign as their thing. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the Wait, name. Wait, what cut out with the, the, the yes, one? Yes, I oh, know. Cross, oh, cross, cross gen. gen. Cross gen. Yes, cross gen. Um, thing where you expand into too many titles too quickly, and you're like, "Look at me, I'm a big player." Before you manage, well, yeah, but well, Cross Gen was yeah, very different. Yeah, but you know what? Let me jump. This in was here. actually a pretty I, lean I, operation I in comparison a, I with think Cross Gen. That's a fairly interesting comparison, however, because both of them did things very differently. And Cross Gen was back in the day in the 90s mm-hmm. and they had this amazing decision that they would move all their creators to Florida where they would come into an office every day and interact and work on a campus-like environment that included showers. They yeah. actually have floor plan. Uh, needless to say, this did not work. However, everyone who worked there sure has some amazing stories to tell. Ask them about it sometime. Um, so Double Take had a, another uh, unique take. You know, Bill Jemis. He is a I did it my way guy, and uh, he did it his way with double take. You know, Kate, uh, I, I would say it's it's not the rewind problem in that I think people uh, definitely kind of knew the territory. But I'll tell yeah. you what I think was the number one failure: they had no 
recognizable creators whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You can't do that well, nowadays. That's just not how it works. You, I mean, it was, you, you probably could get away with it if you didn't have so many titles. So if you could start small with a few no-name creators and then build. Well, but they didn't start small and build. They just dumped like 10 titles out there without really... Well, I mean, that, I don't think that's actually accurate either. They had really unknown um, yeah. uh, creators. I'm not sure that they... They didn't really dump 10 years. They really worked over the course of about two years to, to build up some name recognition. They started, I thought, with a very innovative idea. I thought around using Night of the Living right, Dead. Right, but they came up with so many titles around it. It was too many. Uh, 10 titles? I don't it's, know. It's I don't know if it's so, so many. 10 titles based on Night of the Living Dead is too many titles but, uh, based yes, on Night of the Living Dead. It is. Dead. And all but you know them- what the biggest problem I think was? Is that too many of the titles had incredibly crappy artwork. Well, that doesn't yes. help either. I mean, out of the 10 titles, there were maybe only half of them that really had uh, adequate art yeah. that you could... Now, yeah. And, yeah. They, so and they even name. had to bring artists yes. in for the book things to try to rework some now, of them because you know, he had, recognized had how they gone on yes. brand had, recognition for terrible art. But, you know, and yeah. had they gone on Tumblr and found some young they, art they students could have. who yeah. had Tumblr followings the books were done or better. Or gone on Deviant Art, art and found some sure. people... Uh, you know, they just they, the books looked to be kind. They looked oh, incredibly they, some gen- were, generic. Some, generic yes. is about the yeah. kindest word you generic can say. Generic is it. the best you got. Yes, and uh, if you're lucky, you got generic. Yes, and uh, so. Well, CrossGen actually had very high quality art well, yeah, well, across that's, that's, the board. That's not what I was talking about. <clears throat> I was talking about expanding. Really big, really but that's, fast. But you know what? I mean, that's not what killed CrossGen either. It was just, I mean, it was too big, too fast. But, uh, you know, look, let's be honest here. Double Take had a business model that was totally uh, untested. It was untested. And yeah. when they tested it, it failed. Yes. All right? It is. And yeah. so did And so did CrossGen. Two completely different business models. Yeah, yeah. But neither of them was a success. Okay. So are we going to move? I guess this isn't a brief. Uh a new possible manga has <laughs> entered the internet sphere and indeed shown up in uh, caught the eye of newspapers. Um, apparently, in Japan, uh, the funny faces made by Donald Trump's young son, Baron, have caught the eye of people <laughs> on social media as humorous. And so someone has been inspired uh, actually, not someone. Uh, uh, Yusuke Hori, a mangaka, is uh, published the cover of and claims to be creating a comic entitled "My Loud Annoying Dad Is President." So the quiet, unassuming life I wanted is completely over. Sounds which, so far fetched. Which appears to be a humor comic about a thinly disguised version of Baron Trump's hard, hard life. <laughs> um, the first chapter is entitled, also, My Mom and Sister Are Too Sexy. Well, leave it to it our friends like, in Japan to really put the first so, good news I've heard It seems about. like a revival of Richie Rich. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess it's more like a depressive Richie Rich who has a really annoying dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the possibilities it, it, it are could, endless. It could, could make for humor. Um, and now, now it's time for the briefs. So, um, speaking of political inspired things, Alison Bechtel's Dykes to Watch Out For, her original comic that got her launched before she had famous graphic novels, 
it has returned. Now, whether it's going to continue to have updates or not is not clear at this time. But for the first time in going on eight years, she published a new Dykes to Watch Out For comic. This uh, seems like as, this seems like a, as much uh, post-election therapy as it is. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, you know, but she, she anything may, else? But she may need ongoing therapy. We may all need ongoing therapy. So, so we will see. More power we'll, to you, Allison. So we'll have to watch out yeah. for more dykes to watch out yes, for. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, also, there is a special Kindle for manga. The uh, Japanese part of Amazon.com has released the Kindle Paperwhite Manga Edition, which has like 10 times as much storage and a uh, much faster refresh time. Now, I personally prefer reading my tablet reading experience. Unlike other people in this room, I do not have iPads or anything like that. That's not my thing. I have a Kindle Fire, and um, it Fire. works. Yeah. It works. It actually works really well for me for reading. Comics. But it's, it's still a it's a tablet though. It's, it's still a, a backlit. It's a tablet. Device. Try yeah. to read there, my whereas book their on paper the white, mm-hmm. whereas their paper white is not. Yeah, right. It's it an is, e-ink device. It is an e-ink device. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I prefer the tablet reading experience. But um, maybe some people might like e-ink. What would you prefer, Calvin? No, I agree with you. I I, I much prefer tablet reading. Uh, I've never liked uh, e-ink. Um, I mean, I used all of the e-ink devices, the early Kindles. I've got other ones. Um, I've written about them for PW. I just don't like the experience. Now, some people prefer it. And actually, some people can't read on tablet backlit I, I will say, devices. I can only read on a tablet for about an hour, hour and a half <coughs> before I get a headache. Like, I, like there's a certain right. point at which I'm just like, nope, okay, got to put it down do something else. Yeah, so. Because a certain amount of backlit after that, I'm just like, nope, that's enough. My eyes so, are tired. But uh, I, I prefer... That so uh, you know so with tablets you don't have the problem of storage. I mean, almost you know even the even the lowest storage usually can handle a lot of manga. Not yeah. that not the same with well, with be, yeah don't with Kindle the, devices. Don't get ever get a sixteen the, the gig kin- tablet. Or well, don't get a sixteen gig yeah. tablet. No. Well, no, get but, one and then get an SD card with it and yes. stick it in immediately yeah. and never take it out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like my iPad. So uh, yeah, but I prefer here. reading paper. To be honest, I I'm yeah, not a huge digital comics reader yeah. for various reasons. So. Well, I, I like it digital because um, I like the immediate gratification. Yep. And I like the portability. Well, it's, yes, it's definitely good for those long bus rides. Yep. So yes. Yeah. So uh, that's it for now. All right. But, but there will be more to come. 